your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Golden Knights. Today, a look at Matthias Janmark's season. Did he make a case to stay with VGK? Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick. Chris Golick is at TD Chris G on Twitter. I am at Tony Dasco. And this is Lockdown VGK on Twitter. You could find us right there at Lockdown VGK, also on YouTube. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris, free agency season is coming up ahead. And today, let's talk about whether Matthias Janmark makes the cut. Uh, Janmark played in a variety of roles throughout the past season. He went through some injuries. I believe mainly it was an upper body injury hat for a while that kept him out of action, I believe, sustained in the Arizona game. He also had that bout with COVID, wound up with 25 points this past season, and he played in 67 games. And he signed a one-year contract with the VGK last season, uh, last year, last July, in fact, at $2 million for the year. He will become an unrestricted free agent uh, over the the course of the next month. Uh, Does he make the cut? Uh, He played pretty well on defense. Uh, The left-hander, does Yanmark become a cap casualty for the VGK? Or does he make the cut this year? I think last year everyone was pretty certain he was going to become a cap casualty. And he re-signed with Vegas, I felt, very quickly. I think he was an unrestricted free agent for a minute or two. And then all of a sudden, boom, they, they re-signed him. And at the time, you know, two, 2.2 million, whatever the number was, didn't seem that bad. Uh, we knew we were going to be up against it. I think uh, Yanmark earned that contract in Game 7 against the Wild, where he got that hat trick in the playoffs last year. 25 points, 67 games played, plus three He's going to command at least, I would say, 2-3 to 2-5. He might even uh, you know, want a longer deal this time because this was basically a bridge deal that he took with VGK. I just don't see how spending $2 million plus on Yanmark is going to help our overall situation. Uh, I think VGK will look to replace his output with uh, a player or multiple players from uh, the Silver Knights next year or possibly someone else who is already under contract. I think we like Yanmark. I think Yanmark will have a fine season wherever he goes. I just don't know what his ceiling is at this point of his career. Uh, he got 19 goals with uh, the Stars in 2017-2018. In That's the most he scored, 34 points. It was also a minus 13 in that season. Uh, with Chicago in 2020-21 when we traded for him, 41 games played, uh, 19 points, minus 17, but we're not going to hold that against him because that that's just uh, more of a showing of the Blackhawks in general. Um, when we signed him, when we made the trade for him in 2020-21, 15 games played, but only five points uh, leading up to the playoffs. So Yanmark, he's fine, but I think he's just a guy. And I think uh, that $2 million plus will be repositioned or repurposed elsewhere for uh, season six of EGK. And so uh, the Golden Knights and Yanmark this past season, he did have that span where he had a goal, and I think in three straight games, uh, had the shorthanded goal against the Kings, which was a big one, had a big goal in the Rangers game 
Um, and if he let's say that he does stay, though, however, because a lot of us are writing him off. We wrote him off a season ago mm-hmm. uh, after he played and won 15 games, as you mentioned, and had just one goal with Chicago. Let's say he does stay. What would his role be? Uh, would he be a vital part of that bottom six? Of course. I mean, that's the only place he would slot in. And Yan Mark, he is versatile in the sense that he can not just be on the bottom six in a, a band-aid situation, putting him on the top line, giving him power play minutes. Uh, definitely not a bad option. You can certainly do worse. He does have a nose for the net. He's willing to go in and get dirty. He's also got a, you know, a little bit of a mean side to him, some grit. He's not afraid to, not afraid to fight when need be. He's a great teammate. Like there's nothing wrong with um, what his role would be with VGK or elsewhere. Um, I don't see his ceiling as being a top six player. Uh, he's a bottom six player that's going to uh, churn minutes, almost kind of like a Keegan Colasar type in the sense that he he's a good warm body. He uh, Yanmark, obviously a little more upside than a player like Colasar. Uh, just simply given the VGK situation, I don't see how they can make that money appear. Um, if they did find a way to hold on to Yanmark and they made a couple deals for some higher end uh, contracts, then yeah, he's, he's line three, you know, maybe line four, but definitely line three all day matches up well against the other team's top units. As far as uh, being a, a player that can play a good defensive forward position and he's going to score some goals. I mean, he's not going to, you know, only get a couple goals every now and then if, if he goes a full 80, 82 games or so, uh, he should be able to get between 12 and 15 goals that many or more assists. So he's a fine player. He's a good player to have around. Uh, it's uh, it's penny pinching season, though, unfortunately. And I can't see how uh, he'll be a VGK next year, though. Another area, you know, if I'm an incoming coach here that I feel that Yanmar could lose some value, Chris, might be that he's not on the power play unit. He's not on the penalty kill units, you know, one or two from everything that I recall this season. Is that right? Uh, but, you know, his overall value, I don't think would impress a new coach. No, I mean, he's I mean, someone like Trotz might not mind Yanmark because he does have that defensive ability. But um, if someone like Cassidy or someone looking at more of a, you know, a skill transition and to try and get more, um, you know, I, I can't see Yanmark uh, having a lot of value. Like, like you said, I mean, he's a bottom six player that only plays five on five and a lot of times your bottom six definitely that third line a lot of times that third line uh can be uh have one or two penalty killers on it and if Yanmark uh can't consistently log pk minutes then that certainly hurts his value a lot um the plus side is you know looking at you know trots and cassidy and something where uh DeBoer, i think struggled i don't think pete DeBoer did a good job of increasing the overall talent level of our mid-tier type players. I don't know how many players, maybe like a Zach Whitecloud and stuff like that, but I don't know how many players really had a big improvement outside of a, you know, a Chandler Stevenson or something like that. So maybe a new coach, you know, change of scenery as far as that world goes, maybe that will help to improve Yanmark. Maybe that's what he needs. Um, 
But going off of what we know about him, I just don't see Yanmark uh, making a big enough jump and in your eyes, uh, making a big enough uh, impression to stay and uh, warrants a $2 million plus contract. And maybe perhaps he does need, a.k.a. a new fresh voice in there the you locker go. room. <laughs> uh, on the free agent market, though, does Yanmark have any value? Outside of VGK, do you feel that he is worth that 2-3 to 2-5? Oh, no doubt, 100%. There's, you know, there's now 32 teams in the NHL. <laughs> 31 of those teams are probably in a better financial spot than VGK. At does least, he have uh, a, but does he have a 16-team no-trade clause? Right. Well, unfortunately, he's UFA. It's not going to matter, but uh, <laughs> he's not at that stage of the I think uh, the max he can have is eight at this point if uh, he were in that spot. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, Yanmark isn't the type of player that gets to dictate how things go. He's going to, you know, a team like Seattle might kick the tires trying to hope uh, they catch lightning in a bottle. You know, or you look at a team like, uh, I don't know, like a Washington or I mean, even a team like Tampa, who's going to be uh, scraping for uh you know, some players to take some big step forwards, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a Yanmark becomes a uh, Tampa Bay's Corey Perry next year. As you say, they're lightning in a bottle uh, coming <laughs> up next uh, VGK's bottom six. We had a question from a listener. Chris will be digging in after this. You are listening to locked on golden Knights. You know how our friends at Built are always coming up with new amazing flavors? Well, this time, Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. Testimonial from Chris. <laughs> it was. Thanks for putting me in the spot there. No, I uh, I was ref and hockey. True story. Ref and hockey last night. I was a little hungry going. Didn't want to, you know, get a whopper on the way or anything like that. So I did my first uh, game. Fun, fun game. Not not a very close game, but, you know, got a good skate going. Had about 15 minutes in the locker room between games. I did bring my uh, mud pie built bar with me. Not exactly sure what to expect. And, uh, you know, I, I know we're supposed to, you know, read these uh, ads and stuff. And sometimes it comes across like that. But, uh, you know, true story here. It was good. I felt really good after I had it. And uh was able to get a good skate, break up a couple skirmishes in the second game and uh, had some energy and, uh, you know, a little extra pop when I was calling my penalties, uh, you know, from the referee's crease. I had a good night last night because of my built bar. Okay. And yeah, (laughs) he was just raving about it when he texted me last night. So we had to bring that up. And uh, luckily we saved the best for last. Of course, built bars are actually good for you. No, really all the built products are low in calories, high protein, low sugar, and mud pie is packed with 16 grams of protein. I'm going to try mine today before I go out and run some errands here before I get out of Dodge. But the only uh, thing, again, it's only 150 calories, 8 grams of sugar, and it's like your mom baked the most deliciously creamy chocolate mud pie and wrapped it all up just for you, just for Chris. And you're going to love the new mud pie built bar and also the built puff. I'm going to try both of those over the next couple of days Chocolate mousse, whipped cream, cookies and cream crumble. Stop drooling and get to built.com to order your box of mud pie bars and puffs right now. You won't regret it. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, get 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights, and we do have that important favor to ask of you. We're putting together the survey so that we can learn more about all of our listeners like you. Make your favorite Lockdown podcast, a.k.a. Lockdown Golden Knights, even better. 
This is your opportunity to tell us what you really like, what you don't like about Lockdown Podcast. Go to the LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now and get things started. It won't take you very long. Everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. Take our survey again, our audience survey, LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. And thanks again for all of your help. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And Chris, I know that a listener had a question about the VGK bottom six. Uh, does it stay intact next season? I guess that that's where they were headed. But, you know, when you look at, we're talking about free agency, right? And you have uh, three key members of the bottom six uh, that will become restricted free agents. Uh, if you count Nick Waugh, right, and Keegan Colasar and Brett Howden. And uh, Waugh might be commanding much more money. Uh, Colasar should be back. Howden is a pretty good depth piece, I would have to say. No doubt. I mean, so if we're going to talk about kind of who stays, who goes in the bottom six, I think let's, uh, let's first review what the top six is going to be. Uh, line one, some combination of uh, Stone, Eichel, Pacioretty. Line two, Stevenson, March, Sorali, Smith. So that leaves a, a pretty large myriad of players to talk about. Let's start from the back. Uh, Nick Wah, Keegan Colasar, William Carrier. Uh, Carrier is under contract. Nothing's going to change there. Colasar is RFA. So I think uh, VGK will be able to get him at a premium because he's still uh, age 25 with less than seven years in the NHL. So his contract is not going to waver a whole lot should a VGK decide they want to hold him. Uh, Nick Waugh, same thing. He is still RFA status. So Nick Waugh is not going to get paid this year. Uh, he'll get paid next season. Uh, he'll get paid a lot more, but he might not even uh, make uh, you know plus or minus of a million dollars coming into next season just simply based on his RFA status. So let's just assume line four stays completely intact. Line three is the key, I think, number one to VGK season next year and how um, just having that depth that we've talked so much about. So your line three players, you're looking at some combination right now. William Carlson slated to make $5.9 million. Yikes. Uh, Dodonoff, $5 million at age 33. Yikes. And then after that, you've got a lot of players to look at. you got um, Amadio Howden, you mentioned. Uh, Nolan Patrick, I think Nolan Patrick's days might be behind him, just more, more injuries, concussions. I don't know how much longer he's going to be in the NHL. So my eyes right now are on William Carlson and Dodonoff. Uh, VGK was able to have a deal in place with Dodonoff. We had to take on a weird contract from Anaheim and, you know, a couple throwaway players and such like that. Obviously, we know what happened there, and that whole thing just went kaboom in the faces of VGK, which also forced Riley Smith on the bench for the end of the season. That's at least my conspiracy theory. Um, I think VGK is going to look at ways to move on from William Carlson uh, Dodonoff, I think that, that that's easy. Dodonoff, I think they have to move on from. And uh, William Carlson, I mean, $5.9 million versus what we've gotten out of him for the last few years. Uh, I think you hope someone else views William Carlson as a better piece uh, to their future or someone that can help them win right now. Uh, if they can move on from Dodonoff and Carlson, that's you know over $10 million right there and gets VGK pretty close to being cap compliant or at least on the right track coming into season six. So if I'm going to 
take a deeper dive into what line three might look like next year. You know, you got Howden, you got Amadio, uh, Nick Waugh can move up and down and such like that. And I think the other wing position is, is reserved for someone from Henderson. I think most likely a Brisson, that's going to be the player that we really, let's use the same term again, lightning in a bottle. I think that is the player that might be as crazy as this sounds, uh, Brendan Braswan might be the key to VGK season six, making a big deep run because he'll be on that very inexpensive uh, rookie contract and he'll be like that for, you know, a little while until uh, things really shake out. So I think uh, Carlson, Dodonoff, gone, uh, line three, Howden, Amadio, Amadio, I mean, 760,000. Uh, Howden was very inexpensive as well last year. And uh, Howden, I mean, we got a lot out of him last year. That was a wonderful pickup. And unfortunately, you know, IR injuries and such uh, shortened a lot of his season. But if he can be healthy, Howden was a very strong piece next year. So line three, you know, we'll handicap Howden, Amadio, and insert Henderson Horsey here. Wow. Okay. So I think eventually we're going to see Brendan Brisson. Uh, playing on the line with Jack Eichel just because mm-hmm. of the speed of their game. And if William Carlson stays, I just, you know, even last season with all of the centers and just the way that this team was playing and what have you, I and they did. For a while, DeBoer did move uh, Carlson to the third line. The so end of the season. Yeah, that's pretty interesting there. Uh, and I don't know if he does stay here, if you're going to put – the $6 million man on the third line. And then, you know, on that fourth line, I mean, the staples right now, Carrier, uh, Colasar, and and then, of course, Colasar or Coughlin uh, on any given night. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hope this new coach and our GM situation, we can knock that nonsense off. I mean, if, if you're going to do 11-7, you know, there are teams that, that do run 11-7 and do a good job of it, but you rotate that defenseman, through the defensive lines. You don't have that defenseman taking forward shifts unless it's John Merrill, who's going to score an amazing goal and have an awesome Sally. Like uh, I want to say season number two, but outside <laughs> of that, uh, if you're going to do 11, seven, it's gotta be done the right way. And you don't, you don't dress Dylan Coughlin to take, you know, a, a random power play shift and such like that. You need, you need a, a good rotation and uh, VGK the last couple of years have not utilized that properly. No, I'm I'm not a fan of 11-7 personally, no. and I don't think Pete DeBoer was either when he said it took a little shot at the end of the season saying he wanted to roll his four lines, and yet he was stuck because of salary cap uh, constraints with the 11-7 configuration, and you just you wear down a lot of your players because uh, players, guys like Jack Eichel, I don't even know if Eichel was in the position or 100% back, and then we find out he also had the broken wrist to be taking double shifts this past season. Oh, None of this makes sense, does it? No, no doubt. I mean, we know, obviously, uh, Eichel out there with his broken thumb and such. And, you know, listen, I don't mind Jack Eichel taking more shifts by any means. I Having your line one center, you know, double shifting and such like that, I'm okay with that. But given the circumstances and the situation and such – and also, there's a lot of breakdown. I mean, if that starts from, you know, game number one, which pending our cap situation, who the, who the heck knows how's that, how that's going to um, play out. But, no, you definitely – you need to roll four lines. And you watch the playoffs and you watch what happens. And, you know, all these teams, they're rolling four lines. I mean, look at Tampa out there with, the, you know, good old Belmare out there on line four and Corey Perry out there mixing things up. And, you know, 
you need to have that rhythm. And it's an 82-game marathon. It's not a 56-game sprint like it was a couple seasons ago. It's 82 games. You're traveling the entire country. There's, there's wear down. There's injuries. And that line four needs to be, you know, if your line four can, each player can log, you know, 65 plus games and keep that line intact most of the season, you're going to have a good season. You're going to have an okay enough season where line four is going to, they're your energy line. They're going to provide motivation for the rest of the players. And simply put, they're going to beat up on the other team's top players. That is what line four's job is. You want to wear down the star talent on the other team while still playing good enough defense, which, you know, going back to a season, you know, seasons one and two, I guess you can say, um, having um, uh, uh, Tomas Nosek, you know, centering any other random grinders here. It was a real good line that also had the ability to get out, get out there and score while mixing things up and just, you know, beating the crap out of uh, the other team's uh, top talents. And that's what we need coming into season number four. And I think, uh, you know, that depth needs to be addressed. And that's why I keep saying a lot of uh, the Henderson horses might be called on to step up the season. And then, uh, of course, the case of Nick Waugh, who's in at $750,000. And that's a steal. That's a value. But uh, that contract also is expiring here coming up in July. And uh, how much do you think he'll command? At least uh, a million and a half to two? So RFA, it's a different situation. Um, I'm not a thousand percent sure. I actually got up here in my phone, so I'm glad we're doing audio only so I don't look completely unprofessional. But basically, his contract isn't going to change a whole lot going from uh, this season to next season. And if someone comes in to offer, I think, whatever the max is that they can for an RFA, VGK can simply match it. Um, I don't see any path to Nick Wah not being a VGK next year, unless it's a sign and trade type of situation. Yeah, I think it's 750K. That's an absolute steal. And no uh, there's a guy that just played all over this past season and really made things happen, played very well at times. Coming up next, a look at the Stanley Cup final. That series underway in Denver tomorrow. You're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. We are free and available. Well, our podcast is wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> game one of the Stanley Cup final. No telling where we're going to go with the show. Uh, game one, Chris, Stanley Cup final on Wednesday. Uh, the Avalanche with their explosive offense. Darcy Kemper should be back. Uh, Tampa coming back from two games down, going for the three-peat experienced team i thought that uh, perhaps uh this team would wilt a little bit but it was the rangers that wilted instead uh in the uh, the conference finals and then um you know rangers played 20 games in 40 days we've heard about that mm-hmm. uh the avalanche i think are much stronger much better built i should say and equipped uh to make the run here even in a seven game series and you know you just can't stop their firepower i don't believe McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen, for instance, all those guys. Uh, the one thing the Rangers were able to do was expose the Tampa goalie, Vasilevsky, I thought. And uh, Colorado should be able to exploit him, uh, particularly on that uh, blocker side where the Rangers failed with their fatigue. I feel, again, that uh, this Avalanche team might be better equipped uh, to make that run 
And, you know, I at the end, beginning of the season and even the beginning of the playoffs, I thought that the East was much stronger right now, though I feel uh, Colorado, especially with home ice advantage, has the upper hand. What are your thoughts, Chris? Um, I agree with everything. Um, the first thing to talk about, I think, with Colorado is the fact that it's going to be 12 calendar days from when they last played. Um, I think that is going to be a deterrent for game number one. I think uh, I think Tampa, with their experience and their rhythm right now, will just come out, uh, you know, shot out of a cannon game number one. Um, almost the same way I predicted the Rangers uh, against Tampa in game number one. Rangers just came off uh, that game seven victory, and then they get right back to it. And they had an incredible first period, getting a couple of quick goals on the board and, you know, just basically blew out Tampa in game number one. Not a sign of how the series was going to play out, unfortunately, but definitely uh, I see a similar thing happening here. As far as how I think the series is going to play out, you know, in the playoffs, give me the best coach. Give me the best goalie on the ice. And that's how I felt about uh, the first series of the year between Toronto and Tampa. Uh, Toronto, probably a better skill team on paper than Tampa. But you got Cooper, who's been there. You got Vasilevsky versus basically, um, you know, not Vasilevsky. I forgot, uh, was it Jack Campbell or whoever the starting goalie for Toronto was? And, you know, you look at how that series played out. That was the series really where Tampa was tested the most. Um, and then, you know, things got relatively easy for them. I mean, not, not taking anything away from the Rangers by any means, but, you know, Tampa clearly the better team. So I think uh, Tampa will handle Colorado. I think at the most it goes six games, if not even, you know, five and a 4-1 uh, victory by Tampa. I just... You know, the entire NHL, I think, kind of slept on Tampa coming into the playoffs, being the third seed. Uh, Florida had that remarkable season. Everyone thought this might be the year Toronto finally figures out how to get out of the first round, but that's going to have to wait another year. And uh, Tampa is still hungry. They are still thirsty to, you know, drink from that cup again. And Colorado, so much talent, such an amazing team. But give me the best coach. Give me the best goalie. Let's call it Tampa. Let's call it Tampa in five. Let's call it Tampa in five. Yeah, it was uh, Jack Campbell, as you mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. for Toronto. And I thought that they would make a deep run this year, and they fell short by just one goal. And yep. uh, the thing that impressed me about Tampa, again, is their response, uh, particularly in uh, the final game of their series against the Rangers. And, you know, just after the Rangers score a goal, quickly back down the other end of the ice and, they come back and they rally and Stamkos and and his entire team really know how to uh, to play. And it's just that experience factor, experience, I think, uh, yeah. of, of course, that will uh, play a major role in this upcoming series. And then, you know, Tampa with uh, what do they have? The game winning goal in the final two minutes of three consecutive games in that last series. And they're putting a lot of guys in front of the net. They looked after the second game like the much stronger team than the Rangers and you could just see the Rangers starting to wear down and Colorado though I think is just built differently and I I just think that they have a lot more depth I think that they are just I think the matchup is sensational I think it's a really good matchup I think this uh, this matchup could go seven games it could go for the duration and uh, if Colorado does get up 2-2 I mean 2 nothing rather uh, there's no way Tampa comes back and ties it at 2-2 and, and wins this series. There's no way. I don't think they'll let him off the hook the way that the Rangers did. And the Rangers had this Tampa team against the ropes in game three. 
uh, Colorado won't let them off the ropes. Um, so a few things there. Number one, you know, Tampa, you know, greater than New York Rangers. I guess we can put that symbol in there based on uh, how things go. But honestly, Tony, if the Lightning do fall down to nothing, I it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't it, it doesn't matter at all. I'm not saying anything negative about Colorado with that statement, but you know, you also said the experience, the poise, the the no panic. I mean, let's just say Colorado goes up three nothing. I mean, we we know the stats and was it four times? You know, a team has come back from from being down, uh, you know, three nothing out of over two hundred occurrences or something like that. But Tampa is poised. They've been there before. They are not going to come unwound based on how the series is going. Adjustments will be made. Um, but you're not going to see the players taking these really strange, unnecessary risks. Um, first of all, no one's going up 3 nothing in this series. I think we can safely uh, handicap that at this point. But if they go down 2 nothing, so what? Um, that's when the, the, the cliches start, right? That's when, you know, you're not in trouble until you lose at home and you can start with all that nonsense. But I think Colorado's in trouble is in trouble in game one, 12 calendar days. That's longer than any scheduled buy outside of a, a possible break for the Olympics and such, With those days are behind us for a long time now. Um, 12 days off between games, the players are just dying to hit somebody. And I'm sure the practices have become a bit, you know, boring at this point, maybe even a bit lazy. I'm sure the rest is good. Um, but, you know, Tampa is well coached. Their coach is going to have them ready to – they're going to look to get a big lead in the first period of game number one, and I would not be surprised if uh, Tampa comes out of the first period 2 nothing. I also wouldn't be surprised if Colorado came back and won that game because that's how good both teams are. But, you know, again, give me the best coach, give me the best goalie, and if if Colorado does come up 2 nothing and does take care of home ice in those first two games – it doesn't mean anything as far as how that series is going to play out. Be interesting to see. I'm excited for the uh, Stanley Cup final. Yes. And uh, just another note here on the way out, uh, Chris. Well, after we officially made Bruce Cassidy a candidate for the VGK head, head coaching position, Dr. Frank Saravelli uh, also made him an official candidate. So we have to point that out. But there's just no movement right now. It's past my deadline, your deadline. We both thought that we would have a new coach in place here in Las Vegas by now, and uh, we have not. Uh, but it's just it's interesting with a lot of talk and a ton of speculation. But it has to happen in the next couple of weeks. You have to believe it's got to happen at least before the free agency period kicks in in July. It's not going to be a couple of weeks. I think we can start a seven day countdown at this point. Um, honestly, I think everyone is just kind of waiting to see what the other team does. Cause I mean, listen, we thought DeBoer being announced in Dallas was intimate and that hasn't happened yet. And all of a sudden now they're, they're talking about uh, Philadelphia being in play all of a sudden for DeBoer. So who knows exactly how this whole thing is going to play out. Um, I, I did see that Cassidy is officially in the, uh, the VGK talk at this point. So really all we know as far as what's been made public is pot, the possibility that Cassidy is a candidate. We've heard there might've been a zoom interview with Barry Trotz and uh, the VGK brass to, you know, see how that would all shake out. Um, all sorts of names being rumored to Philadelphia right now. 
uh, DeBoer to Dallas, but that's not been done yet and everything in between right now. And I think everyone is waiting to see what Trotz and now Cassidy does. They're the, they're the gems of uh, the coaching free agency right now, I guess you can say. And I think the moment the first one gets signed or it seems like a deal is intimate, I think then the dominoes really start to fall. And I also wonder if there's, you know, financials involved in the sense that, you know, Trotz wants to see if what Cassidy gets. Cassidy wants to see what Trotz gets. And then that kind of sets the market from there, almost similar to, uh, you know, player free agency and such. But yes, to your point, I'm surprised it's been this long. Um, you have to wonder if teams are looking at the assistance for the Stanley Cup contenders right now or for possible assistance for teams that have just been eliminated in the past round. Um, you know, are our teams dragging their feet right now? We don't know what those meetings are like. We don't know how aggressive everyone is being trying to get a decision out of these top talents, but some does have to happen soon. I mean, you can't just go, you know, a week out of the draft or a week out of free agency and say, okay, here we go. Let's, uh, you know, go get them coach. Like I, there needs to be, you know, prep there needs to be, I mean, maybe just there's such a disconnect from the general manager and the president in Vegas to the coach where they feel they're going to put the team together. It doesn't matter who the coach is. Then a coach is going to come in and get the roster and uh, off you go. I hope that's not the case. I really think there needs to be a lot more planning and prep, but every day that goes by, it's just, it's, it's a head scratcher. It really is. I think you just have the built bar mud pie, uh, the puff left. So enjoy that today. (laughs) <laughs> and we thank everyone for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen. And now for your second listen, make sure you check out Lockdown NHL throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. Lockdown NHL covering everything like no other. You could have all the latest news, opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow. We thank you all for tuning in. For my man, Chris G., I'm Tony Cardasco. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Lockdown Golden Knights.